Hi, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. For those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m., we are both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with patients about a wide range of conditions. And uh, this month we're again very pleased to welcome Dr. Ray Peat to the show. And we'll be finishing up uh, last month's uh, discussion on food additives and the detrimental effects, uh, detrimental health effects of uh, food additives and ingredients that may not even be listed. Uh, but uh, after that, we want to uh, cover the uh, topic of uh, cancer in general and this immuno uh, surveillance um, and immunology of cancer and perhaps uh, a lot of um, beliefs about cancer which are probably more propagated uh, than true. Um, so I know Dr. Raymond Pete um, has quite a quite an extensive uh, uh, experience with this and certainly uh, from his background things have changed a lot since uh, he was studying and I think you know, what he will bring out is that some of the doctrines that have been made uh, very common are pretty erroneous and that uh, some of the old uh, research as well as some new research um, it needs to be taken uh, carefully in the in the light of what it is showing okay so um, Dr. Raymond Pete uh, thank you for joining us again on the show mm -hmm. hello okay so just to finish up uh, last month's uh, topics of the uh, food additives and the kind of uh, things that they will uh, be harmful uh, they will be harmful in, uh, in consuming them and most people when they buy foods off the shelf. Uh, I know in England definitely people will look very carefully at the labels, the ingredient panel, um, and everything, as far as I know, it has to be disclosed in England. They have got fairly strict food laws. Uh, whereas in America, there is a certain percentage of uh, food ingredients that legally don't have to be um, detailed. So I know some of those things that we mentioned uh, last month uh, we talked about and I know there was a couple of things uh, things like um, dough conditioners and uh, rennets uh, that I'd like to just uh, discuss with you uh, the, the dough conditioner most people probably don't even know it exists in bread or if they do they haven't really thought too much about it um, but would you say a little bit about the um, iodine bromate uh, which is a fairly common um, additive to bread uh, and what uh, what likely negative health effects it's going to have? Well, besides any changes that it makes to the um, proteins and starches, uh, which will make them more likely to be allergenic, um, any that gets into the system is um, going to be an anti-thyroid agent, at least. Right. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's going to be thyroid, uh, thyroid suppressive in, in some respects. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, things like the, I know cheeses, I know uh, we've uh, spent quite a bit of time researching cheeses. I know uh, our family uh, consumes lots of different cheeses and uh, have leaned more towards the European cheeses because of their uh, consistency and the uh, type of manufacturing they go through is certainly uh, less... Uh, when I say harmful, but it's more more of a uh, um, traditional type of uh, manufacturing for a food. I know in uh, in the states, and it's not so much just the states, but I know probably for the last 15 years or so, the uh, genetically modified uh, yeasts, etc., that have been used 
to culture cheese have been certainly very widespread and it's quite difficult these days to get a cheese that's not actually uh, made using a genetically engineered yeast. Um, what do you know about the genetically engineered yeasts and, uh, and, the, uh, and the trouble with them? rather than using uh, traditional rennet from... Uh... Well, I think the worst problem is that um, they are using things uh, to carry the uh, microbial enzymes. Um, there is always some debris from the aspergillus or whatever the microbe is they're using to uh, as a source of, of the enzymes. Right. And uh, the, the um, genetic modification is going to make them uh, somewhat different, but they're already toxic and allergenic in themselves. Right. And so even if they're uh, perfectly normal, uh, naturally evolved organisms, uh, any debris from them that goes along with the enzyme is going to be very risky. But even worse than simply having microbial enzymes where there used to be animal enzymes uh, to distribute and uh, emulsify or mix the uh, enzymes efficiently to, to make them store and package uh, so they can be canned and then just dumped into the the batch. Uh, they're using um, seaweed materials, okay. uh, e either carrageenan or um, other uh, things that, uh, for example, one of the uh, compounds that's being used to make microspheres to uh, enclose the microbial enzymes. One of these has been used uh, for, to make dental uh, molds for uh, taking impressions of the, of the mouth and uh, making restorations. Uh, one person um, died shortly after having some of that stuff put in his mouth. And uh, uh, students of dentistry, uh, a very high proportion of them had serious allergic reactions when they were practicing with them. Hmm. But these things are routinely being added to foods to carry other products. And as a, a packaging or, or carrying material, they don't show up on the labels at all. Yeah. So, I mean, even on the labels for cheese, it, if you go into the grocery store and look at the label for the cheese, sometimes it just says rennet, and that could mean animal rennet or it could mean vegetable rennet and the vegetable rennet never really comes from a vegetable source it's always either genetically modified or grown on a mold and that would be the microbial enzymes or it says uh non-animal rennet they have all these different types of course there's there are natural rennets available like fig juice and cardoon thistle but of course no companies use those anymore to manufacture so you're saying not only are these enzymes problematic dr feet but also the carriers that they that carry the enzymes so that it's easy and convenient for the cheesemaker to make cheese. Um, and they're being used as carriers for other foods. Uh, I don't know how far it has gone, but uh, they're for the last ten years. It's increasingly common to use the the seaweed materials, which are potentially deadly. Um, one of the other most deadly allergens was uh, sulfite that uh, it killed a few people eating restaurant salads or uh, seafoods that had been deodorized with it. But it was even after that was recognized that 
it could be deadly when it was uh, used on a salad. It was still used in drugs sold for treating asthma patients. For years and years, um, the product Alupent, a girl who had almost died in the hospital, uh, being treated with that once was about to be treated with it again. The doctor wouldn't uh, acknowledge that she uh, had had any uh, validity, and she grabbed the bottle and ran with her oxygen bottle. And uh, right on the bottle it said it contains metabisulfite. Mm-hmm. And I wrote to the FDA and the uh, uh, drug company that made it and the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, they all said, uh, yes, it's a problem. It can kill people. But they went on selling it for years hmm. and mm-hmm. didn't even publish uh, warnings or, or extra labels that hmm. this might kill you. Were they, were they trying to cite the uh, uh, small numbers of people that might be killed as a uh, reasonable, um, yeah, a reasonable uh, cost? Uh, yeah, it killed mostly people who already had asthma. Right. Huh. And who were already allergic <coughs> to the sulfites, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting you mentioned sulfites, so thank you for mentioning that. The, uh, the wine and beer industry, um, that's pretty much what keeps most wines stable or so they say stable i know that winemakers don't have to use sulfites i'm certainly not defending them but sulfites are prevalent as uh, met- sodium metabisulfite um as both as a cleaning agent and also as an agent to halt fermentation i know in beer making i used to make uh, quite a lot of beer when i was younger and i know that uh, sodium metabisulfite tablets were a pretty um pretty commonplace in beer making um, and, and even organic fruits uh, can be processed <laughs> with uh, the, the uh, sulfur dioxide. Yeah, yeah, and that's another very, very interesting point. The uh, sulfur dioxide they use in uh, dried fruit, especially, that's a uh, that's a fairly common ingredient, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do you what do you uh, what do you state as the kind of toxic side effects of sulfites, um, apart from what you've already mentioned for the uh, asthma? Oh, I think that's the allergic reaction is really the only serious toxic effect. But a person uh, never knows when they're going to have an allergic reaction. If if they just happen to um, have not eaten for uh, an extra long time, or if their thyroid happens to have fallen, uh, there can be a sudden increase in allergic sensitivity because the blood sugar... Uh, very, very powerfully controls uh, the release of histamine and other uh, agents. And the, in the absent, in low blood sugar situations, is that, is that the case? Uh, yeah. yeah. In, in experiments, they found that the mildest allergen would kill animals uh, with shock if their blood sugar was lowered to 50% of normal. Wow. So this, and, is, this would be another good reason to uh, defend the uh, consumption of sugar it's always been such a uh, maligned substance you know sugar uh, sugar yeah, free if they doubled the blood sugar of the animals uh, even the deadly allergens uh, would only cause a slight reddening of their nose and sniffles huh. all so right that's the um the motto eat frequently throughout the day right um yeah eating frequently uh, avoids several uh, stress reactions including 
fluctuations yeah. in blood sugar. Huh. Now, I know there are people listening who are going to be uh, still stuck on the mantra uh, or the doctrine, if you like, and that's the thing that I want to open up in a, in a, in a few short moments about cancer, but that we're all led to believe that sugar's bad for you, you'll get diabetes if you eat too much sugar, um, how do you, how do you, how would you uh, how would you defend that, Doctor P, and uh, support sugar's role in uh, the healthy organism? A lot of people cite Otto Warburg's work in the 1920s, <laughs> in which he showed that uh, cancer cells uh, can't use oxygen efficiently, and so they use sugar at an extremely high rate. Right, and so uh, people are are now saying. Uh, if cancer cells can only live on sugar, uh, then you shouldn't eat sugar. But that just isn't an argument because uh, the body, uh, when you have a, even a small tumor, the body senses a, a danger and increases its production of cortisol. Uh, one of the very early events in cancer is a, a chronic elevation of cortisol and the cortisol turns your tissues to sugar. Right. And so if you don't eat sugar, uh, your body wastes away faster. Right, that's the cachexer associated with that. Uh, and uh, that, the, um, the wasting away of your immune system and other tissues is really what kills most people from the cancer. Okay. And so uh, there have been experiments in which uh, very high concentrations of glucose were put in, for example, if there was a tumor in an extremity where they could uh, isolate that uh, circulation and put a, a high concentration like a glucose syrup into the artery feeding the leg, uh, the sugar itself uh, would cause the cancer to die. Wow. And wow. so it not only spares your immune system and brain and, and other tissues, but it, uh, if it can be delivered long enough at a high enough concentration, uh, it allows something to happen in the cancer that, that can kill the cancer. Wow. Okay. So the, let's just go straight into the, uh, into the, into the topic of the uh, science and the uh, kind of dogma surrounding current cancer theory um, and the fairly new or even in the in, in cases of uh, older papers, the kind of re re uh, discovered papers written uh, some time ago that are kind of largely ignored and not part of mainstream um, understanding, and some of those theories uh, about cancer and the new stem cell uh, research that's being done. Uh, how do you how do you uh, how do you see cancer cells arising? Because we've always been traditionally told. Uh, or taught at least that um, cancer cells are outside of the body's uh, general control and we're all led to believe that this apoptosis uh, or cell program death uh, exists and it's part of a genetic code in each cell only has so many uh, so many times that it can uh, reproduce and then it's automatically uh, turned off and but cancer cells don't uh, acknowledge that they don't uh, yeah um, Everything is wrong with that belief. Uh, right. the, uh, going back to the middle of the 19th century, uh, people were seeing that cancer arises in a 
field, they called it the cancer field, of visibly abnormal cells. And uh, after this basically inflamed area had persisted for a long time, uh, mutant cells might appear somewhere in it. But uh, that is something that is, uh, it has been developed progressively over 150 years that there is such a thing as a cancer field and uh, anything irritating or destructive that the body can't overcome uh, will cause a progressive uh, stressing or inflammation of the tissue. And you can develop a, a cancer before there's any mutation identifiable. Terry Rubin at uh, Berkeley uh, is really the only uh, official uh, academic biologist who has worked on on that topic, and he has shown that that there definitely is a pre-mutational definitive cancer condition. And in the cancer, then in the the tissue as a whole is so unhealthy that mutations, among other changes, occur in the DNA. Right. But the DNA event really is down the road from what is causing the cancer. Okay. So you're suggesting and, that there's there's such an injury or a chronic inflammation to a certain tissue, and eventually that's what causes the cancer. Um, yeah, and when you look at the uh, actual functioning of a tumor, which uh, it, it produces cells that look funny, have three-cornered uh, cell divisions, and uh, uh, very bizarre behavior, uh, and g- genetic changes in the DNA. Uh, these cells are very, very sick cells that don't have a long lifespan. Uh, they're, when you see them in a biopsy cross-section, what you're seeing as cancer cells are very mortal cells that probably will die in the next couple of divisions. And the uh, the doctrine that, uh, that cancer cells are immortal and uh, body cells are mortal, it's completely backwards. Uh, the, uh, the Hayflick doctrine was really invented uh, that cells can only divide 50 times. Mm-hmm. It was really invented to reinforce this uh, DNA-centric view of biology, and in fact, uh, the stem cell work has definitively shown that, that uh, all cells seem to be uh, basically stem cells and immortal, given the right circumstances. And um, when the uh, the cancer industry is is now forced to uh, think about the idea of stem cells, but when they talk about a cancer stem cell, basically they are just going back to the old concept of a mutant cell and the clone of a mutant cell. Uh, They totally miss the point of of the stem cell research, uh, which is that uh, the stem cells are normal cells which are able to uh, regenerate any tissue that needs help. And the um, the function of the tumor is um, 
some kind of a process of healing and regeneration that can't come to completion. Something mm -hmm. is missing that would allow a tumor to uh, let the the sick cells die while the uh, the healthy cells uh, return to normal functioning. Um, studies of X-ray treated tumors found that, in fact, the the X-ray had accelerated the death of all of the original tumor cells, but it actually accelerated the ability of the tumor to call for help hmm. and recruit stem cells from the bloodstream or from adjacent tissues. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the same signals that are sent out causing uh, a region of inflammation to uh, progressively uh, become more active metabolically, these signals are calling for um, assistance and replacement cells. So when a, a tumor is irradiated, it increases its ability to call for help. And so the, the reason the tumor uh, keeps growing, even after everything is killed with radiation, is that you have increased the injury and uh, made it uh, able to uh, recruit more stem cells. That then grow into more cancer. Yeah, because something is still missing in the organism which could allow uh, proper completion of the healing process. How, how do you uh, see metastases in, in the light of the cancer being a uh, recruitment of stem cells to that uh, local site? Way back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, uh, tests were made on uh, prison inmates and foreigners uh, implanting pieces of cancer in them, uh, either with or without their permission. And it was over and over found that people who had the cancer would accept a transplant. And people who were healthy uh, didn't suffer any consequences from having a, a bit of a cancer mm. injected into mm. them. And um, the bulk of, of the research with uh, putting human cancers into animals are done in the nude mouse, which happens to... Uh, be a mutant that not only lacks hair, but it lacks the thymus glands. Okay. And this is, right, this is the, the B cell. Uh, so the, the, uh, the transplantation or the metastasis, which is simply a, a self-induced uh, transplantation, uh, this involves uh, a defect in the whole organism that makes it susceptible to receiving a transplant. Right, because it shouldn't be receiving the transplant in the first place. I, I didn't hear that. It, basically, the body should be rejecting the, yeah, yeah, the, normally the cancer reject, transplant. It's, it's constantly rejecting uh, cells that, that go astray. And if, if the cell isn't appropriate for that organ or tissue, it can't live in that environment and so dies. But the animals that could accept the cancer transplants were obviously so unhealthy that their bodies didn't reject the tissue. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, they can't even grow hair. So, <laughs> so they're already a, a deformed organism. I want to go back to what you said about radiation, Dr. Pete. Is that why radiation is used in the cancer industry is because it does kill some tumor cells? Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll stop 
the um, the cells that are irradiated, um, it stops them right in their tracks, uh, healthy or sick, especially uh, the, uh, the, the sick cells were going to die anyway, but it'll stop the growth of healthy tissue and cause it to produce. Uh, first, it releases histamine and serotonin and uh, tryptase enzymes that uh, cause inflammation and, and degeneration locally. That's within 30 minutes of getting irradiated. There's a burst of these allergen uh, reactive substances. And then that uh, leads to a chronic overproduction of collagen and the growth of uh, uh, repair cells, fibroblasts. Uh, so first it's inflammation, then fibrosis. Right. And, and the body's uh, trying to heal the inflammation or take yeah. care of it. And if the body can't uh, heal this scarred, uh, atrophied tissue, then uh, the cells can, uh, it, they recruit cells that try to repair it, and uh, so it, it'll keep uh, becoming a, a, a risk of future cancers just as part of the attempt to, to repair a sick tissue. So that's why while some people might have radiation for their cancer, it's very uh, often that the cancer returns is because it didn't take care of the underlying problem in the first place. Yeah. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM. And from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's topic of uh, current cancer research and old theory. Uh, my name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. And we're joined by guest speaker Dr. Raymond Peet, endocrinologist, biochemist and physiologist. The number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911. Or if you live outside the area, the toll-free number is one 800 5683723 um how about the, uh, it, the is the current theory in place that uh, cancer cells have slightly different surface markers on their cell membranes um the mhcs that are normally associated with body cells um, being different in cancer cells is, is that immunology still current or oh um yeah they're they're uh, degenerating and so uh, they can go off in many directions, and and so they uh, tend to be killed very easily because uh, they're recognized as abnormal material. Okay. And the the normal function of what's called the immune system is uh, to maintain the uh, the proper development and form of the body, and. Uh, the phagocytosis of uh, sick or injured tissue is really at the center of the immune system. And uh, germs uh, don't necessarily uh, trigger the immune system unless they damage something. Mm -hmm. As soon as they damage something, then the immune system uh, tries to take care of it, cleaning up what damage has been done and in the process they'll uh, clear out uh, the bacteria or viruses but really in uh, the development of the organism uh, the immune system is uh, really part of our developmental nutritional uh, control systems. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Um, I know we uh, mentioned at the beginning of this uh, discussion about uh, constant irritation, and I know um, when I was studying, the, this constant irritation, and specifically something that most people can understand is constant irritation, uh, smoking, um, and how smoking ultimately in a lot of people would lead to lung cancer. And so that constant irritation of the tobacco smoke, those particles in the lung tissue, uh, caused this change in the cell, and that was the uh, that was the beginning of lung cancer. How uh, the higher a cell's energy capacity is, the more it takes to irritate it. Okay. And so keeping your cellular energy at a maximum means that you're pretty immune to irritation. But if if something impairs your energy production, uh, then Almost anything becomes irritating. So that's what you see commonly in low thyroid diseases. The yeah, energy production of the cell is very decreased, very much decreased, and then you can have allergic reactions or cancer come start up. Or And in cigarette smoke, there are not only uh, the uh, irritants and um, the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons are the famous carcinogens, mm -hmm. but they are also... Estrogens and irritants are causing pain and inflammation and estrogen-like changes. And uh, behind those irritants, there's the carbon monoxide, which blocks oxygen use and so makes the cell spontaneously uh, more susceptible to uh, overstimulation or irritation. Uh, and when you add up uh, different types of stimulation and uh, impairment <clears throat> of energy production, uh, then you uh, have a greater risk of uh, chronic inflammation and cancer. Right. And besides those hydrocarbons that you say are estrogenic, those suppress the thyroid um, as well. Yeah. Um, the... Um, Alternative, or, or really it used to be the mainline cancer research, uh, was really at the point of understanding uh, how cancer development works. Uh, the work of the Pullmans uh, in the 1940s and 50s was uh, showing that it's the electronic behavior of these uh, aromatic hydrocarbons that uh, act as signals to the cells in the same way that estrogen substances signal the cells. Mm. And uh, the um, various uh, drug inter interests and government interests uh, diverted that line of research by not financing it anymore, and instead they financed the uh, molecular biology approach, which is uh, explaining away those hormonal actions of the aromatic hydrocarbons as nothing but a type of mutation. Uh, they, they happen to fit into the DNA uh, very compactly and uh, do mutate it, but really their main uh, mechanism for mutating the DNA is by acting as hormones that uh, deplete the energy of the cell while overexciting it. Okay, so it, I think most people listening to the show this evening could understand the truth behind the statement that a 
energetic, active organism is more uh, able to defend itself against external uh, threats and external uh, breakdown. Uh, but the weak, de-energized organism is more easily overcome. How does, how does a human being energize itself in terms of uh, improving its ATP production and being more uh, yeah, more energetic? Uh, first, you need all of the essential vitamins and minerals and adequate amino acids and, and proteins of the right sorts. Mm -hmm. uh, but sugar is very essential for uh, keeping your thyroid functioning up without resorting to uh, a cortisone overproduction. Right. And uh, the essential nutrients, if you're getting enough sugar, uh, will allow your, your thyroid to function unless the thyroid is specifically signaled to turn off by such things as polyunsaturated fatty acids okay. and estrogens, okay. uh, which are uh, very systematically involved in turning down your uh, metabolism. Uh, once that uh, weaken weakening process starts from uh, such things as smoke and uh, hormone-imitating toxins, then the bacteria in your intestines will produce toxins that you absorb. When your intestine is de-energized, it becomes permeable, and mm -hmm. anything in the intestine then can leak right into the bloodstream. So if you're exhausted, uh, you might get flu-like symptoms. Um, if your thyroid is being poisoned, uh, flu-like symptoms will often uh, make you ache all over and uh, feel exhausted and so on. Okay. So uh, the the intestine is always available as a, a sort of a third level of uh, toxicity and, and energy poisoning. Okay, so you would uh, avoid things like polyunsaturates, you would uh, improve your thyroid function. Um, well, by polyunsaturates, let's just uh, specify the polyunsaturated fatty acids are vegetable oils, corn, soy, canola, cottonseed, um, sesame seed oil, all those vegetable oils that are in common use in restaurants. And in the 1980s, the French did a, a great series of experiments showing that um, every stage of the thyroid hormone production and response and transport, every stage was... Uh, blocked in proportion to the number of double bonds in the unsaturated fat. Wow. So uh, the monounsaturateds were slightly inhibiting compared to the saturated fats or sugars. The uh, two bonded, uh, two double bonds like linoleic acid uh, were much more inhibiting and the triply or quadruply <laughs> unsaturated fat such as uh, the oh, yes. uh, popular fish oils and omega minus three fats. These are the most inhibiting to the the whole energy system. Wow. So the bottom line there is eat coconut oil and butter, and avoid um, all other oils, olive oil in moderation. Yeah, and yeah. sugar is uh, yeah. really the basic protection against the toxicity of the oils. 
Excellent. So keep your blood sugar up with frequent meals and uh, lots of fresh fruit. Lots of fruits, yeah. Lots yeah. of fruit is the best sugar. Perfect. I think we've got a caller on the line, so let's take, take the caller. Caller? You're on the air? Hello, caller? Oh, we had a caller. Anyway. All right, well, until the caller comes back or we get another another caller, I think the phones... I can see the lights flashing and the phones are going, so until we get the... Oh, you're on the air again? Hello? Well, that's not done either. Well, I know they're coming in because the lights are flashing, but for some reason they're not, uh, they're not coming through. Anyway, so I think to uh, get back to the, uh, the, the cancer issue and um, what's, what's not being done in terms of what's being done wrong, um, in terms of most people's treatment for cancer and the pretty poor uh, success rate. Almost uh, universally, doctors want to kill cancer cells, right. but the cancer cells just want to die they're very weak cells and you you damage the organism when you uh concentrate on killing the cancer cells right and since the uh, total uh death rate from cancer it has simply steadily increased right um the only way they can claim they're making progress is by diagnosing <laughs> cancer more often uh, if you uh, look in enough tissues and organs by the time a person is 50, you can find at least one cancer. Yeah. And, uh, so if you diagnose really hard, you can have a, about a an 80 or 90% cure rate without actually curing anyone. <laughs> I think the caller that we had, Dr. Pete, has uh, come back on. So let, we'll carry on this conversation uh, once we've uh, had the caller. You're on the air? Hello? Hello, you're on the air. Yes, hello? Yes. Is that me? It is. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask some questions about sugar to okay. clarify. Uh, you, you sound like uh, uh, the impression I'm getting is like, oh, sugar's okay. Go for it. You need sugar. Uh, now, um, as far as I know, uh, sugar, especially refined white sugar, uh, is addicting. It's, it's more of a drug than a food. Most people's obesity can be traced to their addiction to sugar, and most diabetes can be traced to an overuse of sugar, which overuses the insulin to where the insulin production, the pancreas, wears out and can't produce enough insulin to keep up with the sugar, and then a person has to go on artificial insulin just to live. Um, Now, uh, I assume fruit sugar... And if you're just eating fruit, that that's okay. But can you clarify the difference between eating fruit sugar in an apple or an orange or eating, uh, you know, candy and cookies with white sugar and refined white flour? I mean, that can't be good for your body. Could you address that, please? Um, starches and proteins really are very powerful stimulants to insulin. And uh, the combination of starch and polyunsaturated fats will uh, cause the greatest disturbance of blood sugar, much more than eating uh, white sugar candy and such. Uh, the, um, the polyunsaturated fat uh, blocks the ability to use sugar, and so the cells experience a sugar deficiency and turn on stress reactions. And uh, the um, starches are pure glucose rather than... 50-50 fructose and glucose. And so starches 
are much more powerful uh, stimulants to insulin and the stress reactions. So um, just to kind of clarify that a little bit here for our listeners, Dr. Pete, you're saying that starches, well, I know they have a glycemic index of around 140 or 138, and that includes bread, pasta, chips, cookies, cakes, all those foods that are starchy carbohydrates rather than actually the sugar in them. Well, that adds to it, but the starches themselves have a much higher glycemic index, so they will cause your pancreas to have to secrete a lot more insulin. Now, white sugar has a glycemic index of around 99, and whilst uh, organic raw honey is one of the best sweeteners there is, um, fruit sugars, uh, honey is more, has a lot more fructose than sucrose, so honey even has a lower glycemic index than white sugar, and fruits have a glycemic index of around 75 um, the potassium content of fruit is really what uh, keeps the insulin much, much lower. Uh, if you eat a piece of bread, you are getting very little potassium. But if you eat a, a piece of fruit with the same amount of sugar, the potassium will pretty much take care of the insulin issue. It acts like insulin. And uh, so when you eat a piece of, of fruit, you're having very little uh, stimulation to your uh, fat production. And the other thing, too, that um, I've found out is that white sugar, actually, because it's been filtered, is much less allergenic to the organism than the raw uh, brown sugar or the rapidura sugar. Dr. Pete, can you comment on that point? Um, yeah, the manufacturer of um, brown sugar, it, um, when when you centrifuge it, the first uh, wash is uh, blackstrap molasses, and I've noticed that uh, there's usually a very smoky taste in the blackstrap, and uh, it has been a common practice to burn the cane fields to make it easier to harvest, and uh, so uh, some of the uh, brown stuff is is uh, smoke, and uh, the rest of it if you just boil uh, sugar, even white, pure sugar, if you boil it at a very high temperature, driving off the, the water so that the temperature rises above 100 degrees Celsius, uh, the, um, any impurities in it will start uh, causing uh, polymerization reactions and uh, create allergens from the sugar itself. And so the, the brown material containing uh, a lot of uh, biological materials other than sugar, uh, heating that with the sugar uh, can make uh, some pretty intense allergens. So to summarize all that, the best source of sugar, in your opinion, then, Dr. P, is fruit, soft, ripe, fresh fruit. Um, and milk sugar is. And is. milk sugar. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that's number one. Number two would be raw honey. Mm -hmm. And then if you had to eat sugar, then it would be white sugar rather than brown, correct? Yeah. And then the starches are the least preferable form to get your sugar in because they have very little minerals to balance the high spike of um, glucose that's released and the high glycemic index they have, even in whole grains. Um, yeah, and that uh, stimulation of insulin uh, always leads to a, a surge of cortisol, which... Um, tends to destroy the protein in your tissues to uh, keep your sugar 
up against the effect of insulin. Mm. And so eating even too much protein at, at a time without fruit uh, will uh, waste a lot of protein. Uh, people, I've seen people who are eating more than two pounds of meat a day who were uh, having signs of protein deficiency with uh, super uh, amounts of cortisol being produced yeah. and tremendous amounts of amino acids in their urine. Wow. A waste. So not only do these starches, so, it, you know, it's yes, it's a well-known fact that um, cakes and cookies cause problems and diabetes, but it's not all, as well as the oils that are put in the cakes and the cookies, the vegetable oils, but it also can be too much protein not balanced by enough sugars can lead to the same uh, situation. Okay, I think there's another caller. Uh, so, caller, you're on the air? Hello? Um, hello? Yeah, you're on the air. Okay, I just had a qu one question, and um, wh one thing I wanted to thank Dr. Pete because I heard him on another radio station, and I cut out everything but butter, and it gave me a lot more energy. So <laughs> okay. um, I stopped using vegetable oils entirely. So, so thank you for that. And um, what I wanted to ask you was, I was told that um, if I folic acid, that would help depression and not sure why. Could you explain that, or is that wrong? Uh, what, what kind of acid? Folic acid. Oh, uh, well, uh, fruits are very good sources of folic acid. Um, I don't know of any special function it has in digestion, but it, it uh, the right amount of it is very protective. Oh, not digestion, depression. Did you say depression? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that thing the lady was talking oh, about oh, depression. depression. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's needed to make uh, the uh, the transmitter substances, nerve transmitter. and. Uh, oh, okay. All right. So eat your fruit for antidepressant <laughs> activity. <laughs> okay, very okay, good. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for your call. I think we're getting a little bit of disturbance on the uh, on the phones. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate, and I uh, keep hearing some very strange alien type sounds. But that's probably some of the reason for that. Hopefully, people... it's only us that's hearing it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it goes out on the air or not. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's uh, 7:48. Um, we are very pleased to have Dr. Raymond Pete on the show, um, and we were talking about cancer in terms of the uh, most current theories and old theories, and uh, the best ways of uh, treating the organism so far that we've um, got out of this is that the organism's energy, the amount of spare energy the organ organism has, the greater the amount, the better able to defend the organism against uh, insults, etc., and, and disease in general. So what, uh, what's being done currently that you're excited about in terms of uh, cancer treatment, Dr. P? Oh, um, more and more people are recognizing the importance of aspirin and stopping inflammation. Okay. And uh, that is uh, not always interpreted uh, appropriately. But uh, as we age, we accumulate more and more of the polyunsaturated fats in our tissues. And under stress, we have those circulating in the blood. And uh, the, that means that uh, they are available more and more chronically uh, to produce the inflammatory prostaglandins. And so aspirin is, in a way, an 
anti-aging defense against a lifetime of, of accumulating polyunsaturated fat. And uh, it, it's now known that it prevents essentially all kinds of cancer uh, to some degree if you mm-hmm. have used it chronically, but uh, it's now being used therapeutically, uh, backing up other um, more conventional or toxic treatments, but uh, it's a very safe treatment, and uh, its use is increasing. And, can't, and aspirin's been around for a long time, sorry, I don't know you Andrew, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, originally they derived acetylsalicylic acid from, or are precursors to that compound, from white willow bark and meadowsweet and other herbs, so it's a very, very ancient remedy. How, how many uh, how many aspirins or how much aspirin would you suggest, uh, Dr. Pete? Because I know some people out there undoubtedly will be talking about gastric ulcers and bleeding and you know how bad aspirin is for you. So, uh, yeah, the, the aspirin should be backed up with uh, uh, always with uh, plenty of vitamin K, right. uh, and not the synthetic K, but uh, natural K1 and K2, and uh, vitamin K happens to uh, be structurally extremely similar to a, a tropical uh, botanical drug called uh, Lapacho or mm-hmm. Lapachon. Wow. And uh, uh, that has been used for generations uh, with lots of success for treating cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's analogous to several other drugs that have a good history of uh, treating cancer. Uh, Emodin from aloe and cascara is uh, structurally analogous to vitamin K. And uh, tetracycline, the uh, uh, microbial antibiotic, uh, is uh, it has a considerable anti-cancer action, but it doesn't kill the cancer cells necessarily. It uh, protects the organism okay. uh, the same way cascara does to... Uh, protect the mitochondria from being poisoned. Okay, I think we've actually got one or two more callers on the line, so let's uh, let's take the next caller. Caller, you're on here. Hi, I almost hate to call in and interrupt, but I have so much gratitude for these programs. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for your call. Oh, it's immensely informative. I'm in really great health, luckily. <laughs> I just follow the herbs and good food and... Um, what do you have any feelings about quercetin and staying healthy or okay dr pete would you uh do you have much to say about quercetin uh, uh, what was the word the quercetin quercetin yeah oh um well you get similar things in fruits in the safest way i think okay um uh, oranges have oh. uh some substances that are even safer and better than quercetin uh naringenin for example. Right. That's my favorite thing in that category. <laughs> and also nettle leaf, not only is it high in vitamin K, I, I always like to go on about nettles, it's very high in vitamin K, but it also has um, a quercetin as well as uh, lots of minerals and antihistamine function. Well, the quercetin is part of the antihistamine function. Okay, I think there's another caller. Uh, caller? And we'll take this next caller, Dr. Pete, and I think uh, it might be... Hello? Hello, you're on the air. Yes, uh, now I have I had two things, and now when you mentioned the nettles, that um, I thought of a, of, a, of another, but um, I guess there's very little time. So with, you're using um, white willow 
bark in um, Medi or what would be maybe an average amount for what Dr. Pete is recommending, like one tablet? Well, um, of the yeah, the MediHerb tablets, I think you'd probably need to be using, I mean, if you're talking about just an anti-inflammatory effect daily, probably about one tablet daily, maybe split up into a couple doses. But if you're talking about um, an anti-cancer dose, it'd probably be more like nine tablets a day. Okay, well, I think people might like to know that there's something besides like a Bayer Aspen, which some people don't want to use that company, um, or the corporate company, that there is an, an alternative called MediHerb. Yes, and um, there is white willow bark. This, see, white willow bark itself is so, um, you have to take so much of it. So if you make a tea, you have to drink a lot of tea. That's why when it's standardized and concentrated, it's more effective. And it is a problem with the aspirins. They are, have uh, starches and other odd, weird ingredients in them. But the one brand that doesn't have as many uh, terrible ingredients is the Western Family brand if you were looking for aspirin. Otherwise, for white willow bark, we have a standardized white willow bark powder that is uh, standardized to contain a certain amount of salicylic acid, and the therapeutic dose is much easier with a couple capsules a day rather than gallons of white willow bark tea. But did you have another question? Yes, I wanted to ask the audience that if there's somebody who has an abundance of fever you that um, I would like to trade for a plant, and um, my, my number is 9251. Corin and the alien sounds are coming from the radio. Yeah, I, I thought I heard those two. Your number again? I'll repeat. Corin's number is seven zero seven nine two six five one four two, and she's looking for some feverfew plants. If anyone、um, has some fever, extra feverfew plants, she wants to trade. Good. Okay.、All、Thank、right. you for your call, Corin. Yeah, I don't know what's up with all the echo tonight. I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's all it coming from the the calls from、uh-huh. the phones, but I don't know why. Well, we won't say it's anything to do with any kind of、uh, government control or anything like that. It's just the way it is. <laughs> okay, because I know there's、uh, plenty plenty of controversy surrounding some of the topics that we cover. I know people、uh, certainly like to hear it. I want to ask Dr. P、um, one more question tonight, and that is, what do you think of the Um, American Cancer Society and the whole cancer、uh, treatment in this day and age. Oh,、uh, I haven't been following it recently, but、uh, I've checked in on them o- over the last several decades, and、uh, I-, I see a lot of fraud. Uh, uh, one uh, lecture tour sponsored by them、uh, was to show that they had、uh, cured. Lung cancer and leukemia, and、uh, this famous biologist from、uh, University of California was using、uh, phony statistics to make it look like the American Cancer Society was responsible for the the disappearance of both leukemia and and lung cancer, and、uh, the the figures simply didn't show it for lung cancer if you used the right kind of statistics, and uh, the uh, Ending of atomic bomb testing、uh, accounted for the drop in childhood leukemia. Right, <laughs> but、uh, they do propagandistic things、uh, pretty habitually, I think. So why? why there seems to be. I mean, the, a lot of the research you send me is is a lot of scientists around this country and around the world doing research on anti-cancer substances, but it, yet it seems it never reaches the.、Um, The hospitals and where people are actually getting treated for cancer. So why why is that, Doctor Pete? Well, the drug companies、uh, really want a, a good drug for them is something that 
you uh, pay all your money for and keep taking as long mm-hmm. as you're alive. Yeah. And uh, they don't want people getting cured with something like aspirin and fruit juice. <laughs> or Powdarko and... It would take their power away with Cascara. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, well, I know it's uh, getting getting pretty twitchy there in the control room, and it's 7.58, so we've got two more minutes, but, hey, uh, we need to do, think about wrapping up for this evening. So, well, thank you very much again for joining us, Dr. Pete. Thank you. Okay, so uh, for those people uh, who've listened to our show, thank you very much for all the feedback and your comments. Uh, much appreciated. Dr. Ray Pete can be contacted via his website on www.raypeat.com, and that's spelt R-A-Y-P-E-A-T.com, R-A-Y-P-E-A-T. And we can be reached toll-free on 1-888-WBM-HERB, which is 1-888-926-4372 for consultations or further information. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much for joining our show, Dr. Pete. <laughs> Okay, and uh, I think we'll just break the end of the show by saying the truth is out there for those people who want to hear the truth. Stand up, look around, open your ears, and the truth is out there. So uh, whilst a lie, and this is one of Dr. Raymond Pete's uh, quotes on his newsletters, whilst, and I think I can get this kind of right, whilst a lie spreads around the world, truth is just putting her boots on. So think about that, folks. Truth is not going to be easy to find, but it's out there.